Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key. And I am your fourth host, when you need me, Mike Forrester. Resident Nick Ganbarian lookalike, the beard in the room, <laughs> Mike Forrester. Nick's still on tour. Mick Gambarian. Gambardian. Yeah, Nick has had a bad run of having shows on Tuesday nights. And it's unfortunate because he's bummed he's not here. We're bummed he's not here. But we are stoked that Mike is here. So it all balances out. Balance on the force. Well, I'm happy to be here. And this topic is riveting riveting yeah it's fun so we are at the time of this recording i don't know less than 12 hours out from star wars visions and uh, even if we had gotten that this morning there's no way we would have been able to watch it all and report on that quickly enough so we're doing some fun stuff in the meantime and um like the dude said it's riveting (laughs) we're talking about some what ifs i guess inspired by the marvel what if stuff that's going on right now is that all done by now or this is that still going the the animated stuff? I think there's an episode or two left. Word. Yeah, I feel like they're still posting about it. I'm so mm. so at this point out of the loop on all things Marvel. There aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah, I'm. I haven't watched a single one of those, but I did go see. Did I say this last time? Shang Chi. I loved it. I saw it on Sunday. <sighs> Dude, I saw it by myself at like 11 a.m. and it was dope. Yeah, agree. I haven't seen it yet. It's a legit Marvel Kung Fu movie, basically. But, like, I haven't watched WandaVision. I haven't watched Loki. I haven't watched oh, Falcon dude. and Winter Soldier. I, I, I'm, I'm just totally behind on this next phase. Hey, just watch Loki. That's all you need out of those three. Yeah. WandaVision's cool, but Loki will blow your fucking mind. Noted. It's worth your time. Thank the Maker, a Marvel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what if we were a Marvel podcast? Oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> well, no, we don't have time for that. <laughs> so, we're talking about what ifs. My first thought was, let's do it just like the Marvel thing and, and posit our own what-ifs in the Star Wars universe. Character flips, story changes, things that could have happened. Maybe we would, ha- we would have fun with it in like an alternate universe sense. But then I thought, man, do we just talk out of our asses for an hour and a half? Or do we actually talk about some fun stuff that maybe people don't know or they don't remember from earlier episodes? Or if you're just now checking out Thank the Maker, there's a lot of stuff from those episodes where we break down the films in the Den of Antiquities super interesting stuff from the lesser known history of star wars that is really fun to think about what if yeah for example what if darth vader was voiced by someone else or what if jar jar binks was played by michael jackson you know (laughs) there's a lot and it's and it's fun i know some of these but definitely not all of them yeah we did we did like i said we did cover some of these on the episodes where we covered individual films but we've got some stuff that we didn't talk about at all we're going to go deeper on some other things But there's so much of this that we're going to break it up into multiple episodes, probably just part one and part two. So today we're going to talk about casting what ifs, a bunch of folks who auditioned and read for roles going all the way back to 1977. And then next time around, we'll get into some script and story what ifs, alternate drafts, 
things that George was thinking up in the early days, lots of weird, bizarre, cool stuff, even concept art things that were just kind of thrown around in the early days. And then we'll probably get into some of our own completely hypothetical what ifs at the end of it all. Yeah. I, I think the part when you really look at all of this, it's so impossible to imagine what Star Wars could have been and how it's different than what we know, because I, I haven't consumed another form of media or intellectual property as hard as I have about this. So it boggles my mind knowing that everything that we've seen wasn't always the case. Yeah. You know, and it's just when you and we go through the casting, what ifs for people who are listening that don't know some of the proposed actors for some of the roles, it's going to blow your mind. It gets weird, man. <laughs> think about how much this happens, though. Oh, yeah. Now that, you know, as you're saying, Mike, I think to your point, we know more about this than a lot of other stuff. But if we were to take the time to actually be Think the Maker, a Marvel podcast, think about if we went through and like the, all, how many films are there? 26 or something now. Some, yeah. What if we went through all of those and found out who was going to be Thanos and who was going to be Iron Man and who was going to be Ant-Man? It, you know, just I imagine a lot of them would be like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. gonna, who? <laughs> and I think, too, it's looking back at really what goes back to Star Wars and that how little faith some other people had in this project that a lot of this at this point is found information uh you know we don't have for marvel they build up background story they build up so many different things uh with you know audition tapes and all that because they knew it was going to be such a massive success and we have all that but it's like going back to 1975 when this original story was being planned and they started casting people i'm sure that there were people that walked in that they filmed or said, that's just not going to work. But where are those people now? That's what I want to know is like some of them became very popular actors, but there are other people that didn't get the role. And what are they doing now? Which blows my mind. But we don't know a lot of that because it wasn't kind of part of the entertainment plan yeah. at that point. Well, there are some that we know well, and we'll see here, people who went on to have amazing careers and some no names that just like every other casting in the world just disappeared into history, but they're off somewhere telling their grandkids you know, I auditioned for Luke Skywalker. I'm sure you did, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get, get you to bed. bed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a little a little light one to start. Something that a lot of people probably know and made sense. Jim Henson, famous puppeteer, storyteller, almost actually did the voice for Yoda. That tracks. Yeah. That makes sense. And probably would have, I mean, obviously, no, but probably would have been cool. Yeah. Like, it would have worked. I mean, the dude was a genius. Yeah. It would have worked. But just imagine, imagine Yoda not sounding the way Yoda sounds. Like imagine totally, I don't, I have no idea what Jim Henson would have chosen, you know, the direction he would have chosen vocally. But, you know, I think what's interesting there is you bring up puppeteer and that matters as well. His style of puppeteering is not the same as Frank's style right of puppeteering so you know it, it like the direction that frank is giving you know and all the behind the scenes stuff to the guys who are doing the eyelids and doing the ears and do it he's like directing traffic for all that from his brain all of that creates yoda and the yoda we know right so it wouldn't have just been the voice that would have felt different even if it was the same exact puppet which let's be honest it might not have even been the same puppet if yeah. it hadn't been frank oz at the helm so who knows what a huge axis shifting thing that would have been for the entire story as we know it. 
I mean, Jim Henson and Frank Oz, like Frank Oz is here basically because of people like him were precipitated from the power and presence that was Jim Henson, but yeah, still different person. So, and so, so yeah, knows? that's what I'm saying is even though they worked so closely together on so many things back then, it's like yeah. you, that, that that wasn't the Muppets. It wasn't, that was just your job as doing this one character. Right. And you bring yourself to that character the same way you do when you're acting a role, you know. So it, that's crazy to me. Crazy it is. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I think is pretty well known and goes directly back to Lucas's influence. Toshiro Mifune, who was a an actor who played kind of the samurai in a bunch of Kurosawa films back in the day was who Lucas wanted to play Obi-Wan originally, mm. which would have been great. Yeah. But pretty damn I on the nose. I will say, yeah, for sure on the nose. But I will say in an alternate reality and, you know, what we've learned now with filmmaking and the challenge for, you know, people of color and non-white actors to really break through in the blockbuster. You know, it's not, I mean, in 1975. 1977 you know what i'm saying like right, to right. have a character in the, in that role that that wasn't an old white dude could have been really interesting <laughs> at the time right you know very very uh ahead of the curve so that's a cool concept but same thing it's like what no how could alec guinness not be obi-wan how yeah rather than john wayne playing genghis khan or something along those lines <laughs> yeah john wayne playing a samurai <laughs> yeah who's from yeah. japan <laughs> I mean, luckily. I think what else is interesting too. Something, sorry, Adam, because you have like we we know this story of casting in Star Wars because the three actors, maybe besides Alec Guinness, of course, is that Star Wars has always had a great history of taking small actors and putting them on to this this huge thing, right? This mm-hmm. huge platform because of the IP, and so you look at someone like this and think for Toshiro goes, I mean, you can't think of samurai films and not see his face. Right. And so you wonder if that was all part of, you know, Lucas not having big budgets and what he would do for that. Because even when the sequel trilogy was announced, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, they didn't really have that many huge roles. And I think that's why The Mandalorian is fun is because they're bringing bigger actors to do smaller roles, right? Learning that Kevin Bacon almost was Carson Teva is crazy to me. Yeah. But I, I, and I wonder if that's kind of where we were thinking in this 1975 mindset was like, is someone like, or people are going to go and say, Toshiro is Toshiro. I don't see any character besides his past roles of being a samurai. Is, is he typecast? Is that what you're saying? I think that's part of it. But I also think that the idea of putting an Asian actor in a role like that in, in a film of, of this scope, even though, you know, we know that the budget wasn't, what it became in the, in the subsequent films, but nonetheless, it was a, you know, it was already a huge gamble for him and, and, and the studio was all up in his business for the first one. And I, I, th- I think, I mean, sign of the times, you know what I mean? To be honest, for sure. like, for sure. I mean, who knows what went into all the decision-making? I'm just saying that I think it would have been, it certainly wouldn't have been normal to have an Asian actor in like a non-Asian film playing, playing that yeah. role at that time in a film like Star Wars. So right. it's nice that we've moved on from that problem. I wonder though, what if it just aged really poorly with a dude who's known for playing samurai does this space samurai thing? Would it be almost like, you I, know I, what I'm saying? I, I, hear, I already know where you're going with it. I think it I think it's, could be certainly a little bit of both. I'm not sitting here saying that I have a crystal ball, but they were like, we're not casting, you know, not a white guy. 
to play the old white guy in the desert, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that they, that was what was going on. I'm just saying that, like, Star Wars is a white movie. Way, way too white, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of, that, that's all I'm saying. I just think it, it, at that time, Alec Guinness was, that was more, the studio is going to lean more towards that in yeah. 1975, yeah. I think. Well, and the other thing, too, if, if you look at what Kevin Feige just had an issue with, they cast Tilda Swinton as the ancient one, right? Right. Because they specifically tried to buck the idea of having the ancient one being this like Japanese East Asian mm-hmm. wisdom, all like they were trying to intentionally not typecast or not exploit the, and that's can, what I, that was my thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. Right. So you, and, and it's different because at the time, even we just saw Shang-Chi, right? You look at a movie like that. And if you look at a lot of the other characters that were associated with the 10 rings, like the original Mandarin, I mean, he oh, looked like really bad shit. It, I mean, he caricatures it was that right. Right. Exactly. So it's like, you wonder, you wonder if that, if does that play into it? And Lucas was great about stuff and he wasn't great about other stuff, but it's hard to put ourselves all in 1975. Of course. And, and figure it out. It certainly might have been that it could, it certainly right. could have been just the studio saying we can't put a samurai guy in, in this samurai role. Yeah. You know, certainly mm-hmm. could have aged like shit. We may have dodged a bullet here. I, I'm only suggesting that it was, it was probably a little, little bit of both, even if the sort of wrong way of thinking was, you know, somewhat subconscious or whatever, however right, you want right. to call it. I just, we all know what Star Wars looks like now, you know? So right, that's all I'm right. saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We, we can obviously talk about every single one of these for like 20 minutes each. So we'll try to get through. I'm, this next one isn't going to be short. I'll just say that, but we'll try anyway. Um, Han Solo. As we mentioned oh in probably the A New Hope episode, <laughs> Kurt Russell, I think that's probably the most well-known alternate Han, the what if. Mm-hmm. He was almost Han Solo. He was like the dude until they finally decided on um, Harrison Ford. But Christopher Walken read for Han, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, Al Pacino, and Burt Reynolds. That's just, that's all wild to me. Yeah. You never heard of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man can you imagine the falcon i mean he wore this lightsaber up his ass <laughs> pacino as console yeah. oh, okay you got yourselves a job <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dying i'm dying oh, at man. just hearing this dialogue for han solo in anyone else besides i've uh, never, never seen Ford. anything to make me believe almost <laughs> my mother <laughs> That, yeah. Who ain't gonna out of here? <laughs> God, it would all this be. Is, this is why you need to sign up for for Patreon so you can listen to all of this. Uh, We're really doing the most right now. So age wise, <laughs> hold on. Harrison Ford was born in forty two. Pacino was born in forty, so around the same age. Hokey religions and ancient weapons, no match for good blaster. I just said. Stallone was born in forty six. And Kurt Russell was born in 51, so he... He, he was in his 20s still. I mean, right? maybe that yeah, would have yeah. been a perfect age. Who knows? But yeah, He's um, like 25. Yeah, they, they all could have worked out in that sense, but in hindsight, it's just so weird, you know, because in our heads, Han Solo is... I can't do math. He was 24. You said he was born in 51? 51, yeah, so he'd be... He 24 when they were casting, right? Word. Yeah. Which, which is interesting if you think about that dynamic, because Luke has this 18, 19-year-old vibe to him, right? Yeah. And that age difference is so apparent with Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Han just has that kid 
I've been around the block. Like you're, yeah. you're, yeah. you're in my, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, that's why I think their dynamic works so well is because Luke kind of looks at Han as being like, okay, man, what do we do here? Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, Han is Han is Han. But he also has that, you know, he's got that youthful kind of snark to him. You know, he, he needs Han, but he doesn't want to listen to Han and vice versa. And- 10,000? I almost buy our own ship for that. But who's going to fly it, kid? You? You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen. Yeah, it would have been a different dynamic if they were just two kids just out there both trying to figure it out with this, like, princess with them, too. And, you know, even if Harrison Ford himself was 10 years younger, could have been completely different. And so at the same time, then, you have movies like The Godfather and you have movies like Serpico is what Pacino would have been largely known for at the time. And Serpico is interesting. You know, it's it's a fantastic movie, of course, based on a true story. But to look at someone like Serpico, an undercover cop, like I can kind of almost see it, maybe. But it's weird to think about the smoothness because Harrison Ford is just this handsome dude to me Pacino never had that I don't know I guess Pacino always looks like an angry Italian guy to me right right speaking as an Italian guy so (laughs) it's just interesting it's just interesting to have to consider what that would have been and Kurt Russell just seems like maybe he just wasn't old enough to have that difference you know that difference between the two of them Burt Reynolds he would have he could have been the wise old cowboy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean that that mustache. It's just they were all. It's interesting because they were all just starting to be stars. So it, we have yeah. a concept, you know, preconceived notion of what they're like. But back then, that Han Solo might have made them what they're like now. You know, right? So, all right, moving on. Princess Leia Organa. What would you have done, Adam Russell? <laughs> Jodie Foster, well known for having auditioned. Taxi Driver came out the same year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, came out in 76, right before this. So she would have been, she would have just filmed it, I assume, coming off of that. That that would have worked just fine. She's great, obviously. Yeah, she's just, she's intense, though. Yeah. You know, like, they would have brought, I, I don't know, a different sort of, like, dramatic depth to mm-hmm. the character, which might have been great, too, but. She doesn't have that balance, like they mentioned in Empire of Dreams, of the intensity and the, the ability to command respect and the snark, and then also the softer side, all the mm-hmm. stuff that Carrie Fisher could embody back and forth, like flipping a switch. Yep. She definitely had, Jodie Foster definitely had some of those elements. Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley, which premiered in 76 also, two weeks right before A New Hope began. She would have been weird. Her audition, you can see it. It's in the same film. You can find it on YouTube. Not the right vibe. Not that she's not great, but again, not the character that we wanted. Actually, hold on, I have it right here. The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Our only hope in destroying it is to find its weakness, which we will determine from the data I stored in R2. The accent, dude, I can't do it. That heavy Midwest accent, I can't. But let's also not forget that Carrie Fisher had an English accent for like all of I was just going to say <laughs> three seconds. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, some scenes with and then they was gone. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that was, um, you know, like a directorial choice. Like you're putting on the air of Princess Leia Organa right now. Sure. But then you're in the rebellion that sheds, you know. Sure. It's got to be. And we really only saw those two scenes with, when Vader was asking for the plans and when she was with Tarkin, you know, where she would have had to shine that on. So 
Right. I think I think that's what it was. I just think it doesn't it didn't hold up, you know. Yeah. It does make sense and I guess I would assume that like Filoni did this on purpose, but with like Harrison Dula's French accent, that formal, you know, uh well-to-do family kind of accent and then her rebel just kind of like street voice. Right. Let's hear Carrie Fisher though real quick just cuz, you know, mom. When R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you get your award. You have my guarantee. What's the little droid carrying that's so blasted important? The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Done. You got it. You got the role. You're hired. I think you're hired. <laughs> Linda Pearl was the other one. Which one is she? There's another really awkward audition that, that's in Empire of Dreams. I can't remember if it was Farrah Fawcett. I don't remember. Jane Seymour, Melanie Griffith, Gina Davis, Kim Basinger all auditioned for the role of Leia. Everyone. I mean, they mentioned that like every up and coming actress at the time read for the part. Sigourney Weaver, Glenn Close. I mean, these are all like legendary actors. Holy cow. So would Sigourney Weaver have gone on to be the icon that she was in other films in, in overlapping genres? You know what I'm saying? Like, would she have been Ripley? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it is hard to say. I mean, at the time, I don't know if she would have taken on another sci-fi role out of fear of being typecast as a sci-fi person, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing. If we look at these actors and look at besides Harrison Ford, look what happened to Mark and Carrie. They really, other casting directors could not see them as anything but those roles, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. in some ways, of course, if... Star Wars hadn't turned into the phenomenon that it is. And Harrison Ford's general, I don't care about anything. I don't care about any roles. I don't care about anything you like that I was in. I don't care about that. Maybe that worked out well for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's very interesting to consider what that could have been. But yeah, I mean, what if Sigourney Weaver was not Ellen Ripley? That's almost weirder to me than the idea of her being somewhere in Star Wars. Right. Yeah, 100%. There's there's no franchise. Yeah. I mean, that's just so wild. Complete alternate universe. Film casting is just so wild. Like how the the tiny little left or right turn that somebody goes, I just, you know, they might have been arguing about Sigourney Weaver playing Ripley, you know, and someone's just like, I got a feeling. I got it. And finally they're like, all right. Yep. Or maybe it was unanimous. Like, yes, she's the one. But either way, it's like that tiny little decision builds an entire multi, multi million or billion, whatever you, I don't know dollar franchise sci-fi franchise because if someone else had played ripley i don't think we'd talk about alien much it would have just been a sci-fi movie that came out once right what else is interesting though is if you look at physical like the physicality of sigourney weaver right she's she's 511 and that would have worked with han i think because i think harrison ford was he's i mean he's six foot six foot one arguably right so the two of them but then you would have had mark hamill at all of five eight five nine it would have been like, oh, this truly is a teenage kid. That's what it would it would make it feel like that even more. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much physicality plays into casting because. <laughs> Dude, it would have been the gatekeeper and the key master. But, <laughs> this, this is a good point. <laughs> there is no Star Wars, only Zool. <laughs> but you look at that too and think if Al Pacino would have been Han Solo. Al Pacino is 5'8". Sigourney yeah. Weaver would have been 511 and then Mark Hamill's in there. That all plays into it unless you're Tom, it has to. Unless you're Tom Cruise. Right. Then you then you just get then to Then you just wear lifts. You walk on apple boxes. Yeah. That's yeah. what you do. All all your female co-stars are barefoot in every shot. Moving on. 
Luke was read for by a ton of people as well. The ones you can find easily online, Charles Martin Smith, who was an American graffiti. So of course, Lucas brought him in. He was also in the Buddy Holly story, Speechless and Deep Impact. I don't remember him in Deep Impact. It, this is a face you would know. You would definitely know the dude. Uh, and then William Catt, who was in Carrie back in the day, the Stephen King novel movie, and a movie called The Greatest American Hero that I'm not familiar with. I guess we're just too young for this shit. William Catt is the, the long blonde hair, the curly blonde hair you'll recognize if you've watched the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Similar energy to Hamill, but like they say in the thing, nobody really like checked all the boxes with that wide eyed kind of farm boy thing with the, the charisma and everything like Hamill did. Even for a movie that's like 20 minutes of just robots in the desert until you meet the kid, like it wouldn't have worked. I don't know. Maybe it would have, but it just doesn't seem like it would have worked with any of these other dudes. But it might have, but we don't know. Right. You know what I think could have worked? And this is maybe blasphemy, but the voice of Darth Vader was almost done by Orson Welles. I mean, could have. Could have worked. Could have worked. I mean, Orson Welles, we're talking about War of the Worlds, Orson Welles here. You know what I mean? We're talking about Citizen Kane, Orson Welles. So it's not like just some chump off the street. He would have commanded the voice with like a big theatrical James Earl Jones style voice. Could have worked. I mean, that's what I think is one of the, that's the create, like you said, Ryan, casting is insane in terms of what a casting director has to do to make the decisions that make it so that you can no longer break visual actor with roles. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think it's incredible. And I also think too, you know, you look at someone like Orson Welles and I a hundred percent agree that it was the right call to not use him because like I said in the beginning, Star Wars does a really great job of not taking you out of what you're watching, right? Versus if they cast Ben Affleck in anything Star Wars, you're like, I don't care whatever backstory you're building up. That's Ben Affleck, right? <laughs> if you white, you Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you white, you Ben Affleck. So I feel like uh, <laughs> the, re- the reason that I think you did it is because you did it. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like for Orson Welles, his, and the fact that his voice was the reason that pe- so many people knew him is because literally, you know, that radio broadcast of War of the Worlds, how would you not just say, oh, all of a sudden I, I realize I'm listening to Orson Welles versus seeing Vader and the yeah. voice, which Vader's voice is a character in its own. It's like, yeah, what, what if all of a sudden David Attenborough was narrating Star Wars? You'd just be like, okay, so now we're in like a wildlife documentary. Like, what are we doing here? What is this? Right. So that makes sense. I know I keep playing stuff. But you have to hear <laughs> this Orson Welles outtakes uh, shit from this these commercials he did. I don't know what this is from, but I found it. This is great. The dude was an asshole. You're going to love this. Do you, want, do you want to uh, go through everything and then come back? Well, no, tell me. I usually prefer to, but tell me what's wrong. All right. I just think the, the very opening could be a little... It's, nothing is more important than the simple act of people getting together. What? Could I have just one more take of that? Sir? Why? I just did it right. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, I, I'm not used to having more than one person in there. One more word out of you and you go. Is that clear? Yes, sir. I take, well, I take directions from one person under protest. But from two, I don't sit still. But who the hell are you anyway? No, I'm the Well, why the hell are you asking me for another one? Well, I thought there was a slight bunk, and I would like, just like to be safe. Jesus. It just goes on. He's just, he's just outraged. 
Who are you? Who anyway? are you anyways? Yeah. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> All right. James Earl Jones is such a blessing. Uh, Truly. Man. Yeah, he would have been now, as much as I'm like, his voice probably would have been freaking sick, actually. The character would have sucked because on a budget film like that, where we've talked about in the past how, you know, Alec Guinness shows up and they're in 120 degree heat and like he should have been just complaining and, you know, he was a rock star already, but he was yeah. super kind and generous with his time and nice to all the young actors. Like Orson Welles would have been like, are we done yet? <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever read. What does this mean? <laughs> what is this gobbledygook? <laughs> where is Alderaan? That's not even a planet. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, on the complete opposite end of the voice spectrum from Orson Welles, getting into the prequels, this is known, but I forget it every once in a while, and then I'm reminded, and I have a good laugh. Like we said at the top, Michael Jackson mm. was almost Jar Jar Binks. Mm. The what if here is, mm. could even Star Wars, could even Star Wars transcend the Michael Jackson, uh, you know, child, you know, the, the bad stuff? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that would have been a hell of a, a stain on Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. Definitely more of a stain than NSYNC being cast. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were cast. They just didn't make it in the cut. Is this kind of the beginning of Star Wars as, you know, we, we know, of course, with animated roles and animated movies now that their type, you know, it, it, the, that line between voice actors and regular actors now, of course, is face actors. Face actors. Yeah. Uh, it, I want to say that that's that's getting sm smaller and smaller because animators and studios that are producing animated films are hiring big names to be attached to it because people follow face actors, right? So you wonder if this was a move to say, well, we know that the nerds are excited about Star Wars Episode One, but if we do bring someone like Michael Jackson in, is that going to maybe push people into being like, all right, I got to check this. I got to see what the heck the king has been up to since, you yeah, know. Dude, I think all of that, uh, that, the NSYNC casting and Attack of the Clones and the next one we're about to hit is proof of like how graspy he, he was making those mm -hmm. films. Like the CGI, the over the top this, that, that, just more, more, more all, you know, like the leaning back in the chair in front of everyone important to him and saying, maybe I went too far. Like, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, he just, right. it was like, it was such a, um, a, I mean, a victim of the times too. I mean, the nineties, sure. you know, like pop culture becoming what it became in the nineties and, 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 you know, MTV, like MTV was a thing in the eighties, but it was really a thing in the nineties, you know? So I, I think that whole MTV generation type thing was unfortunately, I mean, it really bled into this in a lot of ways. It was like, how do we, and, it, and it's exactly, this is all speculation, but in my mind and my, I, I would theorize exactly the same as you, Mike, and what you just said, that it was all about like, how do we get this to like the, the whole world? And it's just like, dude, <laughs> You already did. So right. like, yeah, I, you don't need to do that, you know? Um, 
so I don't know. I, I don't, it's unfortunate, I think, that like whatever sort of insecurity or something led to that, you know, like needing to overcompensate with casting Michael Jackson. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad it. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't get through. Well, another musician who I think actually could have been awesome, Tupac, actually auditioned to be Mace Windu. I don't have enough information in my memory or my mind or my fandom to have an opinion on how he would have done for the role. I think with like in in the same way with any of these, I think it would have been terrible for Star Wars because it wouldn't have been Mace Windu. It would have been Tupac. But Samuel L. Jackson was the dude with the wallet that says bad mother to me. And I was pumped. I know. But I think that even that it took years to have like a celebration of Mace Windu. At the time, it was like Sam Jackson in Star Wars. This just would have been Tupac in Star Wars. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think I think Samuel Jackson has, and, and Mace Windu has become a, a fan, you know, a fan favorite. And I think the Jedi angle plays a lot there. Like, just a new Jedi, a new important Jedi. All, all that is, is why I think the character, you know, transcended the, the actor. Because I think Sam Jackson was a risky call. In the spirit of Star Wars casting unknowns, and how that became very different with the prequels. You know, Hayden Christensen was basically, that was, he was the unknown. That was it. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm fine with Sam Jackson, by the way, playing Mace Windu. That doesn't bother me at all. I just think Tupac would have been not having any knowledge of Tupac's acting prowess, really, to, to reference myself. Dude, Poetic Justice, Juice, Bump yeah. the Rim. Yeah, I don't remember. He was I, great. I, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen those movies, but. But you know what I'm saying? And Tupac. It's like. 100%. To this day, it would just be T Tupac in the prequels, yeah. not Mace Windu. Because that was also peak Tupac's music career yeah, and everything was, that was, for sure. He was an international superstar. Right. In a different way than Sam Jackson was. If you get to know in, in how we're seeing that transition of a lot of, you know, musical performers that got into acting and now are producing on TV roles, it's like there are, there are some people who only know Method Man kind of as an actor who don't really understand that, oh man, like before that, man, that was the Wu-Tang Killer Bees. And then you have people like Curtis Jackson and people only know, you know, 50 Cent. Tupac was peak, so I completely agree, Ryan. Tupac is one of those people who, as you learn more about him, you learn that he was super into art. He was super, he was actually quite a savant of his literary references, his, what he was into. I think it would have been insane to see where he would have gone as an actor if he would have landed that role. The other mm -hmm. thing that's interesting about Sam Jackson at the time too, is like Sam Jackson wasn't totally like a leading man yet. Tarantino also right. did a lot of his roles so that there were really no, you know, you look at a movie like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction everybody, he didn't really lean on main character roles. He mm -hmm. leaned into story, right? Ensembles. And for sure. And and so you look at like A Time to Kill, Long Kiss Goodnight, um, a lot of these movies that Sam Jackson was known for, I mean, you couldn't tell if he was the main character, if he was a secondary character in a lot of stories. So he wasn't Sam Jackson that we know now at the time he got cast in the mid-90s. So that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. I think, too, what you're saying about, about Tupac and what he might have brought to the role as an actor. I mean, now, he, again, I don't, I don't even know, honestly, like, I don't even know if I saw those films, in the, his films in the 90s. I don't think I've ever seen any of those. And if I did, it was like I saw it back then in, you know, 96 or whatever, and I haven't seen it since. But to know the, that about his mind and what he might have brought to being a Jedi and, like, super hyper-focused and playing a Jedi, 
I might have actually liked that better because Sam Jackson as Mace Windu in the prequels, he does have, he brings a little just Sam Jackson to the role yeah, a lot yeah. of times. You know, you're wait, you're on pins and needles for him to say, it's the one that says bad, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he's almost there. And it's, so it's like Tupac actually might have brought more of a unique sort of original uh, performance to the role, but. The flip side of that is I think it would have been like, oh, they're they're casting pop stars, they're casting rap stars, they're ca- like it, it would have been maybe unnecessary, but as you said, like a stain on the franchise, like that that Lucas was trying to like cater to pop culture and whatever else. I think it would have been yeah. l- much more blowback that way than casting Sam Jackson. So I think the other thing to recognize too, though, if we look at this just in our Mace Windu view, Tupac also though is substantially younger than Sam Jackson at the time, right? Yeah, and so yeah. 10 years probably, it, his junior. Yeah, right. So it would have been weird to have this senior role mm-hmm. go to, you know, because then you have also the dynamic of Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and Qui-Gon. And so you have, you would have such a younger face and Tupac at the time, just such a fresh face, right? And I don't know if he would have had that that power of this is a Jedi council master, he, yeah. you know, that decides the fate of the Jedi and who becomes on it. So much goes into that debate, though, because we 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 don't know where they were at script wise, story wise, you know, when they were getting ideas for castings. I mean, had Tupac walked in and it had just been an undeniable. Yes, this is the guy. The whole role of Mace Windu could have been completely different as far as what he played in the story. Yeah, he yeah. could have been a young Jedi that was like Obi-Wan's buddy. He could have been. I mean, there could have been, you know, Sam Jackson coming in with his presence may have been the reason Mace Windu became a Jedi master. Who knows? We, we'll never know the answer to that. But I think it could have been any of the above. That's a what if. Yeah. yeah. What if he was one of the youngest on the council and that fueled Anakin's jealousy of, you know, not being a master, but, you know, yeah. all that kind of shit. Yeah. An Anakin Mace rivalry. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, a really pronounced straight up. And one. it would have made that final scene a lot more impactful even. Yeah. If they already like hated each other. But dude, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at these pictures of Tupac just on IMDb, you know, of him in movies. There's something about that dude's eyes. Like he, he could act with his eyes in a way that. I think Sam Jackson, I just, I, I love Sam Jackson. I'll say this a hundred times, but I don't know. I just see some like nuance in this dude that. That's what I'm saying. Man. That, that's totally God, my point. It, it could is have that been I cool. Think, I think that's, that Tupac would have brought a, a more nuance to this specific role because that is not to say that Sam Jackson doesn't bring nuance. Let's go watch Pulp Fiction right now, 10 times right, in a row right. and I'll do it. I mean, I'll sit, <laughs> I will not sleep to do that. And but Adam's epic little edit too though that he did that he put on the the i mean yes. but that the fact that that worked so seamlessly shows you that that's exactly who, exactly that's who sam jackson it's a different was, kind man. of yeah. nuance right. what's great though is how much he has embraced those two roles mm-hmm. i mean he he became jules in real life like his lightsaber in in star wars says bmf on it it's engraved in the thing like he fully embraces those roles in the way he he does on social media still to this day, like he's about it. So I think that brings something to the fandom that obviously we wouldn't have because Tupac, Tupac's been dead for God forever. Rest in peace. Oh no, hold on. That's why he, dude, he died in 96. Mm. Holy shit. So yeah, maybe. So he wouldn't have been able to do it anyways. He was unavailable. Also, <laughs> had he been available, had he not tragically passed, I, I don't, I don't think he would have carried the fandom torch the way Sam Jackson did. He would have no, carried no on with his musical career and, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it would have been the same thing. Dude, can you, um, 
Can you imagine though, if he did get it and everything about, you know, from that point on his, just whole schedule was different and he just ended up not being there. I know when that drive-by happened. Yeah. If he had gotten the role. Yeah. <sighs> right. He would have been prepping for the movie. Talk about what ifs. Dude. No kidding. Wow. Okay. Let's move on. Staying with the prequels, Darth Maul could have been Benicio del Toro. Mike, what did you mention about this? There was something, a reason that didn't happen. He, he did he turn it down? Yeah. So Benicio, I, th- I believe, had been offered the role, and then basically got a hey, let's just make sure what we're going to do here because I think at this point, once it had gotten out that they were doing anything Star Wars, I mean, I'm sure that there were a ton of actors that were already established that were like, okay, I'm in. Like, you're going to make an action figure of me. I'm in. I feel like when Benicio either got offered the role or he was like very much in the running, they had found out that Lucas cut a lot of his dialogue. And if mm-hmm. you remember, I think Maul has all of three what? lines, three lines. Yeah. And so I think Benicio going, wait, you mean you're going to paint my face and then I don't get to say anything. Why would I do this role? Right. Especially when they found out they were going to kill him at the end too. Right. So to me, this this is probably the least consequential one just because we know Maul at that time as just this, say less, physically frightening. He's an incredible swordsmith. This is probably the least consequential one of it going to Ray Park. Um, and then they overdubbed Ray Park's voice as well <laughs> with yeah. uh, who's the who's the actor um, who did Ray uh, Darth Maul's voice? Mm, I can't remember off the top of my head. We talked about it. Is, is it Peter Serafanowitz? Who he's he's the same guy who does Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a holes! I don't know that guy. Do you remember? You know who I'm talking about in Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, when yeah. When they all get checked in at the at the prison, and he goes, "Okay, what are they calling themselves?" In the first one. In the first one, and God. remember they're in the prison getting checked in, basically, and he's like, "Oh, what do you call them? What do they call themselves? The Guardians of the Galaxy? What a bunch of yeah!" And he's the roommate from Shaun of the Dead. Yep. Thank you, Doug. Serfinowitz. Yeah. Yep. So he he did the lines for Darth Maul. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. We talked about this when we did the episode, but I guess I didn't look at the dude's face. That's crazy. So what what would have played for the the action you know sequences to not have sort of like a would Benicio have just been doing voiceover and it still would have been someone else being cast as sort of like a martial arts you know stunt stunt double probably choreographed stunt choreographed person and it would just would have been Benicio's voice. It sounds like that was a script thing. Because, I mean, I can't imagine them casting Benicio Del Toro and him coming in and be like, yes, I have years of lightsaber training, of like <laughs> samurai, samurai sword fighting training, you know, and yeah. I'm going to be able to do like backflip roundhouse kicks and like, I just, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't track. I say, he'll flip you. He'll what? Flip you. Flip you for real. Yeah, I'm shaking. Come on. Okay. Answer my question. And you hit me in the back. <laughs> Hello. Give me the fucking keys. My <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of seasoned actors with amazing voices, Ugh. Gary Oldman almost voiced Grievous. Tell me who did voice Grievous. Matthew Wood. Matthew, Matthew Wood. Wood. Okay. Okay. That's right. Respect. Yeah. Gary Oldman would have been cool though. That dude. His voice is is awesome. You think about the roles he's played and the different voices he's carried. It's. I mean, he's insane. Like, but this is that's one of those characters too, though. Especially him as an actor. I, I know he's being cast in films, and sometimes I'm like, okay, where's Gary Oldman? Because that dude truly is a chameleon. Yeah, but isn't he also not a great human being and, like, has done some really 
terrible things to women. And Ooh, I don't know. Oh, Gary Oldman? This is yeah, the yeah. first I'm hearing of this. Oh, no. Yeah, there's it, it's it's a, his ex-wife, Donya Florentino, Fu, sorry, Fiorentino, accused him of physical abuse. <sighs> so accusation, as it may be, is tough. Well, Adam, you can, you can clean this one up. I'm skipping that one. All right. <laughs> Yeah, you can't just leave General Grievous Gary Oldman out because yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Ryan Adams records, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, team Phoebe, Phoebe Bridgers is like, look, yes, but the records are still insane. <laughs> you know, she, she said something along the lines of like, where do we separate the art from the artist? You know, oh, you could say and that Gary Oldman is an unbelievable actor. All-time yeah. legendary, you know? So it just, it sucks right. when this shit happens. But, that's, but that, like, we already talked about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving on, moving on. I, need, I got something for you, though. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. <laughs> <laughs> Best role ever. Yep. So good. All right. To wrap up the prequels here, the prequel casting what-ifs, a big one that we talked about extensively, probably in the... Attack of the Clones episode, maybe in the Revenge of the Sith. A bunch of people read for Anakin. It was another one of those, like, everybody in Hollywood read for this role kind of things. Paul Walker, mm. Ryan Philippi. Ryan Philippi, honestly, would have been the same vibe to me, like, equally as overly emotional and too much, yeah. way too yeah. emo. I saw that dude recently, 100%. a couple years ago, maybe. He was on, um, what do you call it, Celebrity Historical Roasts, right? The dude who does the the roast, but he does, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? He played Julius Caesar and the whole thing was funny, but he, you could tell everybody in the room was like, you're really going for it, bud. (laughs) Super emo. So that might've been awesome. Who knows? He's also been a kind of a problematic dude, right? Yep. Also not awesome, but the big ones. And we, (laughs) if you want to go back and listen to us just flipping out over it at the time, you can do that. And here we go. We're going to flip out again. Leonardo DiCaprio, mm. read for Anakin Skywalker. Heath Ledger, read for Anakin Skywalker. Heath Ledger will always and forever have my undivided, unwavering support that he should have gotten the role. I want Heath Ledger to be Anakin Skywalker. The dude was unreal. I, I'm sorry to prequel fans. I'm not even saying anything bad about Hayden Christensen with this statement. I just... It's really hard for me to understand how Heath Ledger... I mean, again, we've talked about this throughout the whole episode. We don't know shit. But it's hard for me to understand what caused Heath Ledger to not get that role. Even with those screenplays, the depth that that dude would have brought to it just Mm -hmm. from his prowess and talent and his own depth that we got to see for his unfortunate short career, it would have been... Dude, it would have been... It would have taken the whole thing to a new level, in my opinion. He was the exact right age. Yeah. I want to, honestly, I want to see Heath Ledger deliver the sand line. That That's a challenge. That's a challenging line because it's not good. It's not good dialogue, but great actors can take not good dialogue and do something with it. And I, I just want to see that. Transform it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting for Heath is that his filmography in the nineties wasn't, I mean, that, and that's what, that's what I'm wondering because if you look at where Heath Ledger was in the early to the mid to the late 2000s, that dude crushed, right? And so you wonder how great of an actor he was up until, I mean, because we're still thinking about 10 Things I Hate About You probably is like his his breakout role where a lot of people became aware of him. DiCaprio at the same time, obviously he's Titanic, 
I'm wondering if DiCaprio's agent is going, you're about to be in this James Cameron movie about the most infamous shipwreck of all time. Yes. This is, a, I know where you're going and you're right. You don't need Star Wars. <laughs> you know, you don't need yeah. Star Wars. No, I think that DiCaprio early on was a searcher for roles. You know, actors will, will tell you that your, your career is best defined by the roles that you got to play at the end, you know? Right. And you tell a kid who, who is as gorgeous as that dude is and is on everybody's shortlist for the lead role in a 20 something male character that, Hey, they want you in star Wars, but just know that that that's James Cameron Titanic back to back with summer blockbuster star Wars. It could be challenging to, to get you back into, you know, the character roles that you want to explore and, and really that have real meat on the bones. You know, I, again, I don't know that that's the case, but you, you, there's certainly something there, I think, to theorize about. Yeah. Let's get DiCaprio on the pod. That's the only way we're going to settle this. <laughs> Love that. Let's ask him about this. Titanic was 97. Yeah. Yep. So, so it would have been back to back almost. Back to back. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars films that are massive, massive blockbusters at the, you know, box office record shattering films. Like you become... Uh, you know, not all, not, not all actors do, but think about it. A lot of actors that go that route can never go back. They can't get out of that massive blockbuster lead role thing and, and go back and do indie film. And it's like, you know, independent film directors will say like, we can't put him in the movie because people, no one will take it seriously because he's the dude from XX, Y and Z, you know? Right, right. So I don't know. Who knows? Dude, yeah. But, yeah. Cause Leo at this point, he's the kind of dude that doesn't make an unsuccessful movie. He can carry any movie just on his name and his talent. Yeah, but you yep. don't know if, if he had done those two 90s blockbusters back exactly. to back, if it would yeah. have put him on the path to The Revenant. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But dude, mm -hmm. just sheer look of the dude's face, his age at the time, and his talent. He would have felt a lot younger than Anakin did, even starting with clones. I think it would have made everything more believable in terms of the romantic stuff. Yeah. We, we, we talked about this when, when we covered it, right? And I was very Ledger. Bit, was, yeah. I was team Ledger and you were team DiCaprio yeah. for sure. But I mean, dude, Heath Ledger could, I mean, it could be a movie about dog shit, literal, <laughs> just about yeah. dog yeah. shit. And I'd be like, brilliant performance, <laughs> yeah. you know? But you look at the poster for Basketball Diaries. That looks like a grown up Jake Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And- there still would have, it almost maybe would have made the age stuff weirder now that I think about it. Because Hayden Christensen looked old enough to be Natalie Portman's boyfriend, right? Yep. By episode two. Leo still looked pretty young. Yeah. And he's not a tall dude. He's not short, but he's not, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I, George, he did have a good point in saying that they look good together. Like their height ratio was good. Like he, but damn, these other two dudes, can you imagine? But then what happens with Heath? Like he died when? 2008. So... They all would have been done, but we would not be talking about um, him co-starring with Obi-Wan right now. No, but I don't think DiCaprio would do it at this point. If you were like, hey, come yeah. back and play Darth Vader, he would be like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. No, busy. <laughs> um, I'm busy. I'm excited for the story, you know, part two of this episode, because I, I that just actually put a big thought into my head about episode one and the idea behind Anakin and stuff. I, I, I have a good what if, I think. Dope. Well, let's hit, I could only find two, I mean, I, I could have dug deeper, but I could only find two roles in the sequels that had quite a few auditions. Supposedly everyone auditioned for Ray, everyone under the damn sun who was mm -hmm. the right age. Uh, Billy Lord, daughter of Carrie Fisher, who went on to play uh, Lieutenant Connix in episodes eight and nine. That would have been cool. 
it would have maybe been awesome yeah. after Carrie died to see Billy in that role. But she is, I think she's too quirky. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's awesome. But she's a little quirky. Like like saying that she's she's not like, um doesn't have that like steady foot lead role commanding presence. You yeah. Know, more of a character actor even almost maybe. For sure. There's a, there's something about Daisy Ridley. Like I, I, obviously she got it yeah. and she kills. Yeah. Saoirse Ronan also, uh, for me, most famously, uh, the lead in Lady Bird. She was also in a movie called Hannah, Brooklyn Atonement, The Lovely Bones. Have you never seen Hannah? I have not. Dude, do you know the premise of Hannah? No. It's a show that didn't do very well, but the film is her and Eric Bana, and she, Eric Bana's a uh, hiding in the woods, retired hitman, basically. Like, deep, deep cover, Jason Bourne-style assassin. Oh, well, nice. And- He's trained, he's taught his like 10 year old daughter, everything he knows and they come after him and get him. And then the whole movie is her just like straight murdering fools as like a 10 or 12 year old girl. She's like mm-hmm. Kung Fu fighting and bow and arrowing and machine gunning people down. It's sick. Nice. She's amazing. Yeah. She's awesome. So it's like commando flipped. Yeah. Yeah. It's commando flipped. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, she's amazing. And I actually think that that would not have been a bad casting. I, I think she definitely could have carried the role. I'm sure she slayed that audition and that really did come down to a no name. You know, we want some, we want a new actor playing the role. Mm -hmm. She's so good, dude. And she has that, she has that lead role. She can, she really could have commanded the presence of the role and brought a lot of thought and complexity to it. Uh, Just, I mean, she's insane. She's Oscar winning, Oscar nominated for sure. Yeah. But maybe Oscar winning for Brooklyn. Um, I don't know. Sersha is an, Oscar nominated one, two, three, four times. She's good. Four. She's pretty good. Crazy. One, two, three, four, five BAFTA noms. She's insane. She she would have crushed it, dude. But it's known that he wanted to cast someone that wasn't known in the role in the end. Right? Isn't that kind of on record? Yeah. And the scene of her where she is being interrogated with the force by Kylo and oh, dude. Ray cries, I think. That's what I believe JJ said. That was the scene that he was like, she's the one. That's in my top five Star Wars scenes, period. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> just remember seeing that for the first time, man. Just like, oh, this is happening. And she's <laughs> so good. I think that's the other thing that I'm I'm looking at it. And of course, we know so much more about this now. Daisy Ridley is so good. She's so good in that role. She's perfect, dude. She's oh my perfect. gosh, she's so good. So yeah, if someone's gonna listen to this as a sequel hater, bye. <laughs> yeah, see you later. Watch, just watch the audition. It's so. It's try to turn off your brain and just watch the audition. Yep. A couple other notables who auditioned: Jessica Henwick, who ended up playing a Resistance pilot for a very brief amount of time. Jessica Henwick probably most famously is known as Colleen from Iron Fist in Netflix. Uh, and then she was most, I think the role that I last saw her in a movie was Love and Monsters. Mm-hmm. So she's Cool great. movie. Yeah, very much. And she, I think a lot of people were really pushing for her to be cast as Sabine. Uh, so kind of interesting, but, um, and also Evan Rachel Wood auditioned for that role. Damn. She's a legend. She is a legend too. So yeah, I mean, whatever went on behind the scenes that we don't know that led to Daisy Ridley. I ain't mad about it. Okay. So the last one we have to mention is Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Dude, that is a huge what if. Huge. She's the only one that could hang. Dude, she would have 
really brought something to the table for that role. But she's the such girl a, in the dragon she's tattoo. Such an indie really, film. You know that would have been a big decision for her to step out of her normal thing and do a blockbuster like th- like this. But she she auditioned, is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. Well, then you know she took the audition. But man, that would have been crazy cool. But I agree with you, Ryan. She is the roles that she has taken after are incredibly character driven. She does roles where you can tell the script is juicy the time that the camera spends with the character is juicy. I mean, this mm-hmm. is true acting. Yeah. And I think we've referenced this a couple of times where, you know, if you have an agent that you trust, I, these scenarios play out in your head. I think probably one of the few people who has been able to navigate this is our next person that we're talking about. Well, the last thing I would say about, about Ray and especially Rooney Mara is I always go back to this line in The Force Awakens. It's just like, why? Why did you? Why? It was so close. When Ray and Finn are climbing, you know, on the freighter and this is a bad idea. Huge. Yeah, yeah. That's not, Rooney, Rooney Mara would have been like, I'm not saying that. I'm not going right. to do that. And 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 Daisy Ridley pulled it off. I mean, I don't like yeah. it, but she pulled it off. She gave it that yeah. comic timing and, you know, her the, the inflection with which she said it. Rooney, Rooney Mara would have been like, nah, I'm not. She would have made the character so deep and serious, I think, which maybe maybe could have been really cool. Yeah. Uh, but I think we would have lost a lot of Ray's like youthful kind of Luke stuff. And her wonderment. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. We would have lost some of that. Yep. But I don't know if I hate that because there is that argument. We've already seen Luke and I, and I, I, I love it. I'm not a sequel hater, but you know, the idea of like, what if it's Luke, but it's not quite as wide-eyed and googly and it's a little more broken and angry that's how Rooney Mara would have played the character I think about that opening conversation at the table in the social network yes the speed (laughs) there (laughs) she's so good she's disgusted and and furious (laughs) with him and like you know granted that you're not going to get that Fincher and Sorkin speed of dialogue and whatever in Star Wars Mm -hmm. but the attitude that she brought to that could have been really cool I agree different but cool All right, let's move on to Kylo Ren and get ready to wrap this thing up. The big one, Michael Fassbender. (sighs) Heavy hitter, bro. Yeah. Heavy hitter. The fact that he was interested kind of surprises me. But actually, Adam Driver, to this day, surprises me that he played the role. But uh, just from all these same things we've been talking about, the types of roles these these actors usually choose, Adam Driver's even still a surprise to me. But wow, what what a debate. Who knows? Fassbender's probably too old, though, right? Yes, I think it has so. to be. Yep, I think he's, so. He was born in '77, so that would be. So was Driver though? '79, maybe. He's our no. age. I think he's younger. Uh, I think he's a year or two younger than us. Adam Driver was born in '83. Uh, he's 37. Yeah. Well, okay, that's six years. That's six years difference. That's enough at that age to notice. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> uh, I'm looking pretty much the same, but I definitely looked different at 30. Six than I do at forty two. <laughs> so the other uh the other big one, Eddie Redmayne, best known probably for Pride and Prejudice. Would have been great. Or the Harry Potter prequels. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic piece. Yeah, I would have liked to see him play something really angry like that. I could have been really he cool. He would have been cool. Yeah. He's a great he's an incredibly talented actor, but I don't think he's ever played anything with like that I not not on the, off the top of my head, like something with hate in his heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. As you say. That would have been cool. Les Mis was the other big one. Mm-hmm. Theory of Everything. Yeah, this dude's been in so much stuff. He is about the same age as Adam Driver. Actually, he would make a great... He looks like he could be Harrison Ford's son. Yeah, it would have been, been very cool to see what he brought to the, to the table. But Adam Driver, I mean, 
Yeah, he nailed it. Come on. He nailed it. Yeah. These are all cool what-ifs, but the two they picked for these movies, in our opinions, as non-hater-ass douches, <laughs> were the perfect two. Yeah. They just killed yeah. the dyad. The dyad. Truly. All right, let's wrap this one up. Like we said, this is going to be a two-parter. We started it uh, with the delusion that this could be just one episode, but we only made it halfway through. <laughs> Almost two hours later. Yeah, right. So we'll we'll come back uh, next time. Maybe a week after next, we'll see how quickly we get through Visions. We'll just keep this one in the back pocket. Part two. Yeah. For when we need it. We'll do script and story what-ifs and then talk about our own hypothetical character story what-ifs to wrap that one up probably. Ryan Key, how about a quote of the week? Quick. Super short, one-liner, relevant though, and I'm going to tell you who it is before I say it, which I usually don't do, but it's cool. John Frankenheimer, American director, born February 19th, 1930, died July 6, 2002. Famous for directing some just little pictures, uh, Birdman of Alcatraz, Manchurian Candidate, The Train, Grand Prix, Island of Dr. Moreau, Ronin, Reindeer Games. He did a few. Damn. Couple flicks. A few cool films. He said, and again, one-liner, goes exactly to the point of what we're talking about today. Casting is 65% of directing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. More than half. Dude, and nothing illustrates that better than watching an audition, Mm -hmm. which is typically filmed on a damn handy cam or some bullshit. Especially when you could compare the auditions and go, well, yeah, no, of course that one got it. Even with all these other super talented actors who I know, that's the one. You just know it. Yep. Because as a director, the, that other that that first sixty five percent is letting them fly, letting your kids go outside and play. I mean, it's like here's the script. Yeah, I'm going to point you in the right direction, but you got to do your thing, and that's that's right. what being an actor is, right? That's what you bring to the set every day. Great quote, folks. I'd like to remind everyone listening: we don't mention this. We haven't mentioned this since I don't know the beginning of this new tier of Patreon, newer tier of Patreon. If you're a Jedi Council tier patron. You not only get to sit in here and listen to us and watch us record this thing live, like a couple folks are doing right now, Patrick Merton and Doug Vader. Doug, I don't want to know your real last name. You're just Doug Vader. (laughs) You also get an exclusive patron-only Thank the Maker t-shirt just for the Jedi Council tier, which our buddy Mike Forrester right here designed, and it's dope. So patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to do that. If you don't want to spend that much monthly, you can just give us a few bucks, get Discord access, or you can do the middle tier, get access to additional content, especially when we're doing reaction videos and things like that. It's dope. Do it. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, it's at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram, at ThankTheMaker on Twitter. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. You can also find me pretty much five days a week, Monday through Friday, streaming music production on Twitch at twitch.tv slash William Ryan Key. Please come hang. And if you want to hear more podcasting and talking about Star Wars, I am the host of Armor Party, which is part of the Thank the Maker Network. And we talk about costuming, breaking down costumes, building, which is a great, great time for Halloween coming up and also for celebration. So if, if you've considered making a costume, you've considered doing taking your nerddom to a whole next level, check us out at Armor Party. You can find us on Armor Party Show on Instagram. We're constantly interacting with the main account, so we hope to hear you over there and see you start building and becoming a part of Star Wars. And you can find me on my personal account, which is Hondo Supply, and I make all kinds of fun things for Galaxy's Edge and basically just share memes and uh, make Star Wars stuff. So check us out at Hondo Supply on Instagram as well. 
Nick misses all of you, and he can be found on Instagram at Nick Bayside on all the stuff at Batu Crew, his Galaxy's Edge account. ThinkTheMakerMerch.com has merch. Patreon.com slash ThinkTheMakerPod is where you support. Everyone, thanks for being here. And until next week, may the force be with you. 